Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, we have officially entered the final week of Jesus. Let that sink in for just a moment. You see, we've been walking with him. We've been learning from him. We were with him when he fed the 5,000. And now this is the final week. We have walked and learned from his teachings. We've actually learned to love him. Why? We are his disciples. And so as we come to the final week, I would pray that you would prepare your hearts as if we were with him during this final week. See, we're on a journey to the cross, and it starts with Passover. So in order to understand what's happening here, as you know, we have to do some work. So I want you to hold your finger here in Matthew, and I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. So hold your finger here. You can go all the way back. If you're not fast enough, that's okay. We'll put it on the screen for you. But I would rather you look at that because I want you to see what is about to take place. I would also ask that if you're taking notes, let me remind you of one thing. As Matthew's writing, he doesn't give us much details. He pretty much assumes that he's talking to those that are um, Jewish. He knows that they've already understood this. And so other gospels will fill in where Matthew is silent. So Matthew will take only 13 verses to teach us over the Passover. And you go, why was that again, Ben? Here's why. Listen, Matthew is written with a Jewish mindset, with a Jewish mindset. They would have already known what takes place each and every year. They would have had it just like us. Okay, you go, what do you mean just like us? Well, for the most part, every September, the South Plains Fair comes here, and pretty much everybody here in Lubbock knows what that is. It's the same thing every year, and it's the carnival and so forth. And, and, and you wouldn't have to explain what the fair is to somebody who wasn't from Lubbock. Wait, what? So in, in, in the ways of the Jewish, this is what he's saying. But where did it start? It all started back in Exodus. This is where the Passover was officially instituted. Now, let me set the stage. The children of Israel had been in Egypt. Remember, if you're taking note, Egypt is a type of the world. And they have been in bondage for over 400 years. God calls Moses and he sends Moses to what? To lead the God's people out of Egypt. You guys remember this. You know this. If you haven't studied it in scripture, you've at least seen the Ten Commandments. Now, it's important to point out that God delivered Israel. Not Moses, per se. Okay? You need to understand that because people go, well, Moses and... and No, 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 no. Listen, God was the one who led people and he chose his servant Moses to lead them out. Can I get an amen? Amen. You go, why is that important? Because God, we we have to be here, guys, today and understand that God is in control of our lives. And he's using us in ways that are, that blow our minds. But instead of getting prideful and getting a big head and going, look at me, I'm going to be famous. I'm we just go, no, Lord, I, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Listen, you and I must understand that we are simply servants in the master's hands. We're servants. 
We're used by God to accomplish what he wills. And we never get prideful or arrogant or think we're something. Um, Please understand, we are simply an instrument in God's hands. Let Let me give you an example. See this guitar right here? This guitar right here, you guys can see that. In and of itself, it's not worth anything. It's, it's not. You go, why? It's just an instrument. If we'll take a moment and look at it, it's not fancy. It just kind of sits there. It doesn't do much, does it? We can sit here all day waiting for it to do something. But it's not going to, is it? Why? But in the right hands. In the right hands, guys, what is it too? It plays beautiful, doesn't it? It plays beautiful music. And can I just say this? Hold on a second. What? No, it never brags about itself, does it? You didn't hear it go, hey, what about me? You know? I know that Mel guy is pretty good, but I did a lot of the work. It doesn't, does it? And I love that. Why? Because think about it, guys. What does it do? It simply exists to be used by the master. That's all it does. And that's the same thing. That's the same thing. God is the master, finds a man like you and me, like Moses, and says, I'm going to use for my glory and my purpose. And we sit there and we go, wow, I can't believe this. And you go, well, Ben, I'm not sure people, I'm not sure if I've even been used. I'm not even sure. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely no Moses. You know, I don't, stand, I don't stand before the Playa Lakes in Lubbock and go, you know, hoping it will, it, you know, that it would what? That it would part open so you could find your lost Frisbee. I mean, you would hope, but it doesn't. But God is using you, church. God's using you in your service. God's using you at your workplace. God's using you with the, with the conversations you have. God's using you to raise your children. God's using you even when they push back a little bit and they fight with you and they're stubborn. No, kids are stubborn, are they? No. Please understand and don't misunderstand that everything you are, God is using. And some of you go, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. That's a great calling. That's a great calling. Just be a guitar. Just be a guitar. Be ready to go. Ready to go. And sometimes, if you're the instrument, oh, you're in tune. You're ready to go. And sometimes you're not. It was Mel this morning that was like, oh, I didn't even tune my guitar yet. What kind of musician am I? And I'm like, calm down, Mel. You'll be all right. Well, let me get back to the story. What does God do? God sends ten plagues plagues to the Egyptians. What was the effort? And the effort to change Pharaoh's heart, right? He only hardens his heart all the more until the final plague. Do you guys remember what that was? It was the death plague. Um, The death angel was sent to kill the firstborn of Egypt. Look at Exodus 11. I'm going to go back. I'm going to take you back just a moment. But uh, Exodus 11, verses 4 through 6. Then Moses says, Thus says the Lord, 
about midnight, I will go into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. And there shall be a great cry, cry out throughout the land of Egypt, which was not like it before, nor shall it be like it again. So here comes the last plague, guys. Here comes that last plague. Now, here's where the, here's where the Passover is instituted. Start reading with me in verses 3. Come over to Exodus 12, verse 3. And it says this. Moses says, Speak to the congregation of Israel. Well, the Lord is saying to this. He says, On the tenth month of every, the tenth of every month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small, for the lamb, let him take and his neighbor next to the house and take it according to the persons. Now, one thing I want you to see is, is as much as God is instituting Passover, he's also instituting fellowship, okay? It's not just like, it's, it, there, there's so much in here because he's telling us as believers that we need to look out for the poor as well. We need to look out for the poor. Let us not walk around with fat wallets going, well, I'm not going to give to anybody. They should work. I don't understand that. God says, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to, you need to help. Hey, they're not, they're not, not rich enough for a lamb. Bring them into your house. Well, what happens when you bring someone into your house? Well, I have to feed them too? Yeah. It's fellowship. It's wonderful. Okay, so he's instituting that. Now, there's a point to this when we get into Matthew, and I'll, te- and I'll show you this, but understand, this is where it's instituted, okay? Verse 5, your lamb shall be without, what's that word? Blemish, thank you. A male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now, as a dad, I'd have to be real careful. You go, why? Because now you've got a little lamb in the house without blemish, and I just hope my little ones don't get attached to this. Okay? Can you imagine in the first or second day, look, dad, we're playing with him. You're like, oh. I named it, dad. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. I'll go to the store. Let's get another one. Cause, um, but they wouldn't, right? Because, because this was used to what? This was, think, think about it, right? What were we supposed to do? We're going to kill it at twilight. And I'm sure the kids knew that. And thou shalt take some of the blood, guys, and put it on the doorpost and on the lentil of the houses where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs they shall eat it. He says, don't eat it raw nor boiled with, in all its water, but roasted in fire. Its head with its legs, its entrails, you shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains until morning, you shall burn with fire. This is, again, I, I just, again, remember, the first thing, some key things we notice before we jump into our text. It was a lamb without spot or blemish. Okay? You can remember that's the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been expecting him for all the week long. They've been looking at Jesus. They've been trying to find something wrong. They've been trying to look for something that they could catch him with. But the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he is without blemish. It also says it's a male lamb of the first year. Who is that? The Lord Jesus. That's going to be killed at twilight. So we know that the lamb had to be killed. And it says, blood shall be put on the doorposts and the lintel. What is that form, church? A cross. 
way back then. And of course, the lamb, here's what they would do. They were to roast it and eat it with unleavened bread. This is how they instituted, okay? So what happens is they would take it, they would institute it, they'd put the, and the death angel would pass over that house. They were technically saved. They were saved. When it comes to your salvation, your salvation, the enemy is doing a very good job of trying to cause fear even in these last days. Many of us at times even doubt our own salvation. Am I really saved? Am I really saved? You see, when I read that how Israel it was saved based on the Passover, I don't see any of them going out the door and just making sure the blood is still there. And I don't see any of them really working their way. It was simply, you ready? The blood of the lamb. All they, what did they have to do? All they had to do is stay in the house. And they were, come on now. Exactly. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, all you have to do is stay in the house. Stay in the Lord. Remain in him. Don't wander off. Don't wander off. Oh, oh, uh, just stay real close. Stay real close. I think it's silly, and you've heard me say this before, but when my kids were little and dad had to go somewhere and kids wanted to go, they, had a, they were notorious for grabbing one leg and holding on and the other one grabbing the other leg, and you had to kind of walk like this. No, no, and they were holding on. This is how I picture us being with Jesus. Okay? Where are you going, Jesus? I'm going with you. <laughs> I'm going with you. And I just want to stay that close to the Lord. So when the enemy comes in and starts to try to get you to doubt, am I really saved? Well, have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Yes, I have. Are you walking with God? Yes. Am I, am I, am I being his disciple? As best as I can, I'm trying to be his disciple. Then you're saved. Put your head on the pillow tonight and just go, thank you, Jesus. All I have to do is remain in the house. All I have to do is remain in the house. Now, fast forward to Matthew. Because all of this has been going on, and I want to remind you that when you look at it, it's really a sign or a symbol of what's to come. Why? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who died for our sins. So, let's tackle the first three verses, and then we'll come back. Look at verse 17. Matthew 26 and 17 says this, Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where do you want us to pre- prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, well, go into a city and a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand, so I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did just as Jesus had directed, and they prepared the Passover. Now, first and foremost, your attention, please. Matthew doesn't give us a whole lot of details. And that's why we have to go working, okay? The other Gospels tells us that the two men that he sent out were Peter and John. You can write that in your Bible. They were to follow a man, the Bible says, that was carrying a pitcher of water. Your attention, please. A pitcher of water. Wait, that's not a big deal. No, no, no. I want you to see. 
They were to follow a man who was carrying a pitcher of water, and he would show them a large upper room. Why is that important? I want you to see this. This is so classic God. Why? Because what you need to understand is back in this day, it would be unusual for a man to be carrying water. It was usually done by the women. So when Jesus says, well, the women are only here going, I can't believe that. All the work goes on us. No, stop. But Jesus would say, you see the man? He's going to be carrying a pitcher. The guys would go, Really? Yeah, that's the guy. It would be easy to spot. You understand. Uh, there'd be all these women carrying pictures and doing stuff, and here'd be a guy. <laughs> I have a wife. I don't know. Here, follow me. I don't know what it is. Jesus earlier, or God instituted fellowship. He instituted for the poor. And so you need to understand, look it back. He says this. He says, go into the city, a certain man. Oh, I get it. Wow. And he says, say to this man, um, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Now, what you need to understand, okay, and, and one thing you need to make note of, the historian Josephus tells us that there were about 2 million people in Jerusalem at this time. Can you imagine? 2 million. So preparing for um, Passover in advance was quite common. You guys knew about it. They would start talking about it early. Oh, we, we, you know what? The Passover's coming. Passover's coming. <sighs> we, we better do something. Let's, let's make sure we have a place to have the Passover. And of course, you've got 2 million people, so guess what would happen? Many people learned to fellowship, and so they would have Passover together. Or they would have an extra room and say, okay, y'all can do Passover up here in our room. That's okay. So they would share, and they would learn fellowship. They understood that even Passover or sharing a meal together brought people closer. It's a little bit different in our day. It's a little bit strange in our day because we'll go out to eat with somebody. We sort of eat and we talk about work and we stuff our face. Everybody good, yeah. And then we hand Joe Mabry the check and then we leave. I mean, that's how we, that's how we do it. Always go out to eat with Joe. I'm telling you right now. He may be broke, but he'll buy you dinner. But there's that connection, church, that we have. It's that connection. So preparing in advance of the Passover was quite common. I want you to understand that the disciples, you know, Peter and John weren't just going, I don't see anybody with water. Do you see anybody with water? I don't know. They had already worked it out, and he's going to be walking right here. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I also find this very interesting. You go, what's that? Jesus says, go into the city and a certain man and say to him, my teacher says, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep over, I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. If you have a pencil handy, there's something that jumps out at us. You go, what's that? He's actually telling them my death is at hand. He says, my time of my death is at hand. This is what he's saying. I'm about to die. Have you ever been so busy that you miss 
a very important detail. You see, the fellas keep thinking, the fellas keep thinking, we're going to take over. Come on, Jesus, Passover, let's rule. Come on. And Jesus said, hey, go, go over, go over, and uh, you're going to see a man with a, a pitcher. And they're probably thinking, man with a pitcher, this is crazy. I don't understand that. And he says, um, say, we're going to have the Passover at his house because I'm about to die. I don't know about you. I mean, I, you couldn't pull one over in the Lord, but I might have went back and said, I didn't see a man, Lord. I didn't see, you know, trying to protect him from dying. I didn't see no man with a pitcher, Lord. I don't know. We're just going to have to go to Galilee for today. We're just going to have to blow it up, blow this one off, Lord. They didn't catch it. And I think there's a great application for us. Let's be careful, church, that we're not so busy that we miss the details of what God wants to, to speak to us. You go, well, what does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. When we get so busy with a check mark of doing our quiet time that we really don't sit and have a quiet time. I read my Bible, amen, let's go, next thing. Gotta go, gotta go. Well, what did the Lord say? Hmm. No. Even if it's one verse, church, listen to me. Even if it's one verse, let that verse just go in you. And Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? How do you want me to grow? What can I grow in this? So Peter and John, they would have secured the bread, the bitter herbs, as well as the wine for the feast. They would have had... They, they would have had the perfect lamb already and they would have already slain the lamb in the court of the temple and put blood on the altar. The lamb would have already been roasted whole and the, the feast would be ready. This is what Jesus is thinking. Now, here's something interesting. Because there were so many lambs during Passover, okay, you guys with me? Keep, keep the Jewish mindset. It would be more like a production line than anything else. You go, what do you mean? I mean, can you imagine just, um, again, think about the production. They'd be blood, move, blood, move. I mean, all of the things that they had to do. And um, I find something very interesting as well. If you were about to take Passover, you took your little lamb, right? You took your little lamb. You take it to the priest. The priest would put the knife in your hand, and then you had to cut the throat of this innocent animal. And it's and I, I just I when I thought I was like, oh that would be so hard, would it not? Would it be so hard? And can you imagine cutting the throat of an innocent animal and here's what you would be thinking, I'm doing this because of me. I, I'm doing this because of me. Why why is the Passover here's why listen Jesus wanted us to understand this whole procedure so that you and I could repent of our sins so that we wouldn't flirt with our sin so that we wouldn't dance with our sin so that we wouldn't you know pet our little sins and go that's okay lord that's a, it's it's fine and then it let it grow up and devour us. Jesus said, no, no, no. Listen, do you understand the meaning of this on the cross? On the cross. And so after killing the lamb, check this out. They would hang the lamb up on a hook, and they would skin it and give you the skin. And they would take it and put it on a pole from bottom all the way through the top, coming out of the mouth, 
and the mouth on the other pole and the arms were behind it and it would go across their shoulders, guess what this lamb skin looked like? This cross. He was actually on a cross and it's just like, wow. So here you are carrying the lambskin back. All these lambskins in Jerusalem and, it, and, and they all look like a lamb on a cross. If you and I are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we can see the gospel in almost anything. Almost anything. You go, what do you mean? Have you ever gone to a movie and you saw the gospel? It wasn't a Christian movie, but you read, you saw the gospel. You're like, that's the gospel. That's, wow. And you came out and, and everybody's like, oh, did you like that fight scene? It was a great movie. And you're like, did you see this? That's like how Jesus is. And they go, well, I didn't even see that. It's the gospel. They're, people are walking around with lambskins. Hey, that lamb looks like it's on a cross. <laughs> Funny, right? Well, again, think about it. So they would take the lamb. Guess what they did? They took this lamb that was ready, and they would hand it to Peter and John, and they would carry it back all over Jerusalem, nobody even knowing that Jesus was about to die on the cross. Imagine taking the lambskin back to Jesus on a cross not knowing that in a few days he would be the one hanging on the cross. You see, think about it. This makes us believe in the word of God even more. Well, Pastor Ben, man wrote the Bible. Man can write the Bible. Man penned the Bible, but it was God-inspired. It was God-breathed. You understand that there's no way. You see things and you go, wow, Lord. Why does God do that? Because church, listen, he wants to encourage us. He's not, he, he wants you to realize, man, this is it. This is it. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. So that's the Passover. Now, it goes on. Now we get into the Last Supper, okay? And the betrayal by Judas, verse 20. And when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. So here they are in the upper room. And uh, I'm pretty sure Adam and Tiffany, I don't know if anybody else went to Israel. We went up into the, with the supposed upper room. We went up there. And of course, it's not the same because there's people taking pictures and all this stuff. But here it is in the upper room. This is what they say. This is where Jesus had the, he was celebrating the Passover meal. And it says now in verse 21, as they were eating, Jesus said, surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, I want you, I want you to look deep at this, guys. I want you to look deep at this, Okay. And look at verse 22. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and he said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. But then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. Think about this. Let's talk about Judas for just a moment. Up until the very end, the disciples didn't realize that one of their own number, Judas, was a traitor. 
Guys, there's so much here. I mean, think about it. Not one of them. And I think it's important for us that we're careful that we're not going around as secret sin sniffers. Do you know what secret sin sniffers are? You're always looking at somebody. You sinning? You know, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible tells us that love believes all things. And we want to help encourage people. You go, well, Ben, what if they're not Christians? We want to encourage them because at the end of the day, that's between them and God. But God did not call us to be secret sin sniffers for people in life. He calls us to love on them and just encourage them and say, you're going to make it. Come on. And hopes that if they are a Judas, they would repent and say, you're right. Oh, my goodness. For some reason, church, and I say this including all of us, we're so good at judging. We're so good. We're, we sit on, our, on the throne. We judge. That's not what God called us to do. He called us to love people back to life and say, come on. Finish the race well. Don't give up. Please, please, please. But these guys, they didn't see any difference. They didn't see any difference. Why? Because they didn't see any difference in the way Jesus treated Judas. They didn't see. Do you guys see that? This is a remarkable testimony of the Lord's patience and love. For three years, Jesus treated Judas just like he treated Peter and James and John and everyone else. So they come to this this final uh, Passover feast. And as they're eating, Jesus goes, hey, um, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples start looking at each other. Right? <laughs> they're more like this. Lord, is it I? Right? That's probably what they were doing. I knew Adam was messed up. I knew, I knew it was him. No, it, was, it wasn't anything like that. He has named Adam. I mean, he's going to betray from the beginning. Are you kidding me? Man, they, they, they just start going, is it, Lord, Lord, is it I? Is, is it I? Is, is it? Now, two important things that jump out. So cool, guys, and I want you to see it. First and foremost, jot this down. Jesus didn't treat Judas any different. He loved him, he encouraged him, and he cried with him. Here's the point. We... We must have the same heart that Jesus has, church. We must have the same heart. We're called, everybody say called, to love people back to life. The one thing people are missing in their life is love. Nobody loves them. We're called to love people back to life only hoping they'll see the Savior in us. Those who have fallen away and those who in the world are looking for us to judge them harshly, are they not? And when we come and we show them with love and compassion, not condoning their sin, but just showing them the heart of Jesus. Hey, man, this breaks my heart. This breaks my heart. I love you, man. Yeah, well, what are you expecting? 
I'm ex- you're expecting me to judge you and tell you and show you. And, and if you read the Bible like I read the Bible, you wouldn't be in this mess. And I don't understand why you're doing that. And, and that's exactly what they're expecting of us. But guys, why don't we as believers take one step forward and say, hey, I'm not going to do this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lovingly come along somebody and say, hey, man, you okay? Are you doing all right? I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, I've been I've been kind of falling away from God lately. I've been sort of, you know, this, there, that, the other, whatever it might be. Hey, man, hey, God has so much more for you, man. He loves you so much. He's not going to let you go. He's going to see you. He's going to see you through. He's going to see you through. Yeah, man, but, you know, you don't understand. It's It's just been really rough. Well, here's the only thing, bro. You can walk away from God. You can walk away, but he's not going to let you go. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to keep texting you. I'm going to keep loving on you. I'm going to keep saying, hey, you're all right. You're all right. The second thing, Judas didn't act any different. You go, what does that mean? Well, here's a man who walked with Jesus for three years. Guys, he saw miracles. He heard teachings from God. And yet he wasn't moved to repentance. Please, church, please, today, let us do a heart check just to make sure we're still close to Jesus as we possibly can be. Yeah, man, I went to church at this one Calvary church over there. I went to church, and the pastor was saying, man, that, no, 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 here's the thing. I'm, I'm just pleading with you to just make sure you're right with God. And I think it's important for us to always do a heart check. Where am I? Lord, have I, have I moved away from you? Not sure if you caught this, but back, back in our text, I want to I show you something. Man, it just jumped out like, like, like crazy. Um, the Bible says when they were confronted, in verse 22, it says they, the disciples, were exceedingly sorrowful. And each one began to say to him, Lord, is it I? You go, yeah, Ben, that's Captain Obvious. I saw that. But I want you to circle that word for sorrowful because it actually means sad, distress, sad, grief, and heaviness. They were super bummed. You understand that? They, they said, hey, one of you is going to betray me. And they weren't like, oh. They're like, their heart sunk. You, got, you with me? You tracking? You go, Why? Because then they went out and said, Lord, is it I? I? I'm distressed. I'm sad. I'm grieved. There's heaviness. And then they asked the question, Lord, is it I? And the word Lord there is curios. It's supreme authority. So they're going, Lord, 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 is it I? Lord, is it I? Is it me? Is it me? You go, Ben, what's the point? Here's the contrast. Look at verse 25. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to them, you have said it. Did you notice that Judas doesn't call him Lord, but calls him Rabbi? The word Rabbi is master, teacher, okay. And um, it doesn't say that, that Judas, notice what word is taken out from that, that he wasn't sorrowful. 
He's not sorrowful or submitted. He just says, teacher, is it me? And I said, wow. Wow. That church is the biggest difference between a relationship with God. Lord, is it I? And Rabbi, is it I? When we sin, we come running to the throne of grace. Lord, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to put you back on the cross for my sin. I'm so sorry I messed up. But if it's religion, then sometimes it's rabbi? Is it I? Teacher? Is that it? I'm not really submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, you can't... That's what's happening in our culture today. That's what's happening in our society today. They're trying to rewrite the Bible Judah style. They're trying to rewrite the Bible where Jesus is insignificant and we're not submitted to him, that we're the Lord of our lives and that what we say goes. We're the authority in our lives, and so God should just line up with that. You understand that, right? So our job at Calvary Chapel is to submit unto the authority of Scripture, the Word of God. That's it. Well, I'm mad at the pastor. Well, don't be mad at me. I'm just, the, I'm just passing down the message from the Lord. This is what he said. This is what he said. And I found it very interesting, just the contrast. Now, we know Satan enters the heart of Judas. What does he do? He leaves. Judas gets up from, the, from supper, and he leaves. Now, the disciples still don't catch on. My prayer is that they didn't catch on because they were grieved and they were really seeking and asking if was it was it was it one of them that was going to betray him like they were really concerned. And it wasn't, you know, it it wasn't that like oh and and, and I pray that because they don't they don't catch on. They Judas leaves. I want you to notice verses 26 through 30. What what do I need to notice here? Write this down somewhere in your Bible. It wasn't until Jesus, until Judas left that he institutes the Last Supper of the Communion. He says, here we go. And then Judas gets up. And I'm sure he didn't get up like this. You know, and he's like, oh, where's... He, he just, they probably thought, hey, he's going to go get some supplies. Maybe we ran out of straws. Maybe there's not enough napkins here, whatever it might be. And so they're, they're just focused still. They're still here. Just for the sake of thought, I'm standing to the side of the the pulpit, just my opinion, it's not the word of God. I wonder if even at this point, they were still hoping that Jesus, this was it, they were going to, he was going to take over. He was going to rule and reign. I wonder if at this point, he's like, okay, I'm ready for, we're ready to smash Rome anytime, Lord. I wonder if many of them were looking and hoping a legion of angels would come in and we're going to go down to battle and this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And yet all the while, the Lord has been telling them, I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to die on the cross. I want you, church, for one moment to put yourself in the upper room with the Lord. For three and a half years, you've been walking with him. He's telling you he's going to die. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to die for your sins. He's going to die for the sins of the world. He's fully God and fully man. He's going to die. And now, here we are in the final days, and we're having, we're having dinner with him. He's going to die. 
What do you think your heart would be telling you at this point? What do you think you'd be, you know? I don't know if you would have a, a close friend that you would talk to and be like, I don't know, what do you think? And I don't know, what do I, oh, man, you know, do you think, you, do you think we're going to rule and reign? Or, you know, or, or maybe, maybe it's next Passover. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know, man. Where's Judas going? I don't know where Judas is going. Maybe we need some more stuff. I don't know. Do you think it's me? Are you, you know? This, uh, this whole story of is, is it I, is it I, before he turns into communion, reminds me of when I was a kid. And I don't know why we did this, but me and my best friend, we were little. And um, it, it was back in the day when you could walk to the store. You know, a few blocks away, you could actually walk. Where we got money, I have no idea. But we had money. And so we'd be walking to the store to get a Coke or candy or whatever we could buy. And, the, and I'm not kidding you, the, the, the store was a few blocks away. And him and I would hear a siren, a police siren go through, and we would actually look at each other and, and we'd go, did you do anything wrong? No, did you? No, I don't think so. Okay, and then we go off, right? As long, as long as they weren't coming after us. I mean, it could have been an ambulance, it could have been everything else, but I'm not telling you, that's a true story. We would look at each other and go, did you do anything wrong? No, did you? No. Okay, that's how the disciples are. Is it I? I don't think so. Did, what did you do? John, what did you, John, he's, now you got to remember, he's, he's being betrayed. Well, Satan enters him, Judas leaves, and uh, man, it's going to get deep. But look at verse 26 with me. He says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and says, take this, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, let me just stop you right there. In verses 26 through 30, here's what I want you to know. Nothing supernatural happened. It didn't turn into real blood. It, you understand that. There's no, I mean, this, this is symbolic. And what he did is after Judas left, he instituted something new. It's called the Lord's Supper. He took two elements from the Passover feast. What were they? Unleavened bread and the cup. And he used these to picture his own death. Somebody, let me, let me modernize it. You guys ready? Somebody put this on Facebook. And then all of a sudden they started calling the disciples of Jesus cannibals. Because he said, Take this, this is my body, eat of my body. And so somebody read it. Did you see that? And their comments was, look at those, those followers of God are just, they're cannibals, look, they're eating. They're. That's not what he meant, is it? I think there's a lesson there, don't you? You go, what's the lesson? First and foremost, don't believe everything you see on Facebook. Isn't that a great lesson? Don't believe everything. I can't believe, wow. They have the perfect wife, they have the perfect husband, perfect family, perfect food. Look at this. It's not true. Don't believe it. What it was, was a picture of his own death. The broken bread, guys, pictured his body that would be given for the sins of the world. The fruit of the vine, Matthew twenty six twenty nine, poured, pictured his blood shed for the remission 
of sins. Have you ever had an aha moment? Have you ever had it where you were all of a sudden the things that you've learned and stuff and, and God just puts them together in your head and you're like, I could imagine flashbacks from Peter and John with the, with the lamb being, being roast, being, you know, cut and killed and roasted. And now all of a sudden you've got the skin and it's on a cross. And Jesus goes, Hey, listen. And they're like, Oh, wow. 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 Guys, we're going to close here in just a moment. And, and, and we're going to close with verse 29 being part of the communion. But I want to show you something. Now, don't zip up your Bibles yet, okay? Because when a pastor says he closed, he's got three or four closes. Don't worry about it. I, I like the part here where he says, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And I think there's a good lesson for our lives here today. You go, what's that? Oftentimes, our lives are a lot like this bread, is it not? And Jesus will take our lives, and he'll bless it. And then some of us are in the broken stage. And we're, we're broken, and we're moving forward. And then he's, gonna, he, he's going to take us. He's going to bless us. He's going to break us so that we can impact Lubbock like never before. That's exactly, I mean, do you guys see it? You go, well, Ben, that's the bread. Don't read too much into it. No, I, this, is, this is a picture of, 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 of him being on the cross, but think about it in our lives. Some of you right now are in the taking stage. God is calling you. He's wanting you to do more. Some of you right now are in the blessing stage. Man, I was blessed today. Are you kidding me? We're in the blessing stage. Some of us are in the broken stage. He's, and when I say that, I mean, he's not, he's not breaking us where we're walking like with a wounded knee or something, you know, but we're broken with the stuff that's happened to us and, and life and, and, and all the things that have happened. We're, we're being broken, but what's happening, guys, is once we're broken, he's going he's gonna to say, okay, here, you're ready to go, and he's going to unleash us to the world. Let me tell you why. Because these four walls that we call church, that's not the church. You guys are the church. And we come in here and we worship and we, and we um, learn and we grow and we minister. And then he says, oh, by the way, at your job, there's somebody there that, that needs to hear what you know. At your school, there's somebody that, that needs to hear the true gospel. At the grocery store, the cashier, her mom just died. And she doesn't know how she's going to make it. And then you show up with your frosted flakes and your milk. And you're able to minister. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because you're being equipped to go out. And this is what he does. This is what he does. We still have, we still have two verses. But let me do this. Let me go ahead and prepare our hearts as the ushers will come forward. We're going to pray, and then we're going to pass out the elements. Here's what I would ask you to do. Please hold on to the elements. Please hold on to the elements because we're going to partake as a family. Now, as the ushers are up here praying, can I say this to you? One of the things at Calvary Chapel is we do have open communion. You understand that? Open communion means anyone can take communion as long as you're a believer. Because the Bible says not to take this as an, in an unworthy manner, which means you're not a believer. 
You've never given your life to Jesus, but that's an easy fix. Today, through the sound of my voice, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you've grown up real religious and you go, man, I can relate to the is it I versus Lord, is it I? But today I want to surrender my life completely. Then I would ask, and I would give you an opportunity for you to say, yes, what do I have to do? All you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus into my heart. As they pass out the elements, I want to give you this opportunity. If you're here today and you've never given your life to God, you've never surrendered completely, or let me just say this to you, you're in a backslidden state. You're in a backslidden state. Then I'm asking you to surrender your life today. If that's you today, will you just um, lift up your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be able to take communion, but I want to give my life to God first. I just want to give you an opportunity. Remember, I got you, sir. I got you over here. God bless you. Anyone else? Real quick. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gentleman who raised his hand and just just before you, Lord, asking you. And so, Lord, um, come into his heart, Lord, save him. And, Lord, be real to him, God. Lord, all let all the sins, Lord, all the stuff that's burdening him down just go away. If you're watching online, we would pray that you would be here to partake with us. But if not, you can pray during this time. As the elements are being passed out, can I tell you, this is a very serious as well as a celebration. See, first and foremost, the Bible tells us that we must not partake in an unworthy manner. And of course, if you're not saved here this morning, I give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But also this, if you've offended someone, would you please get it right? Simply ask the Lord or that person to forgive you. It's a, if a root of bitterness has happened, then don't take the communion. Just hold off. Say, Lord, I'm going to get it right before I take communion. It's okay. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I gotta, I've got to take it. Remember, it's a celebration. Because when you take communion, you're declaring the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what saves us. So we celebrate the gospel. As you take communion, think about the Passover. Think about the blood. Think about how the death angel passed over and you're saved. Think about it. You just stay in the house. This is you staying in the house going, yeah, I'm in the house. I'm in the house. And then I would ask you to do this very quickly for me. Would you take a moment and look deep within your heart and just see, Lord, where am I with you? Some of us have... um, Ah, some of us have had a bad attitude at times. Some of us, we just just confess it. Lord, forgive me. And then I would also say, not only are we looking within, but I'd also say, guys, to look back. Look back. And thank the Lord for all he's done in our lives. Look back. And then I want you to see this. Look forward for all that God is going to do and the day we have communion in heaven. Verse 29 of the same text that we're reading, he says, But I say to you 
I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. We look forward to the day that we're going to do this in heaven. This is what Jesus, he said, I'm not going to do this. This was the last night he took communion. And he says, I'm not going to do it. Well, the fact that you and I are taking communion today means we're not in heaven yet. But maybe before next month, we'll be in heaven. And we'll be taking communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious thought is, that is, isn't it? You will, Ben, what if, what if it's not? then we'll just continue to celebrate what he's doing. What does Paul say? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's all good. It's all good. Heavenly Father, we come with hearts um, so excited for you. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection. I thank you that these are symbolic. These are elements that remind us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, on that night, you took the bread, Lord, and you told the disciples, here it is, this is my body. It's going to be given up for you on the tree, on the cross of Calvary. It's going to be beaten and broken so that we can be made whole. He said, this is my blood. This is my blood. He said, it's going to be shed for the remission of sins. Father, we, you didn't make it hard. to reconcile us back to us. You made it easy. All we have to do is believe. And so, Lord, I thank you. So as a family, as we lift up the bread, we do this in remembrance of him. Let's take it together. And now, the juice. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to worship here because he says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about what's coming next in the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> this is the place, there's a garden out there called Gethsemane, and Gethsemane means pressing, pressure. And um, wow, next week is going to be incredible, I'm telling you, as we see Jesus being squeezed for us. You don't want to miss it. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and the truth in your word. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for Matthew, Lord. I thank you that we can look and go and see other places of of all that happened on the upper room. But I thank you that today is such a beautiful day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and a hope in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.